Hey, I'm Andrew Hales. Welcome to another edition of Chatting With. Today I'm here with Dr. Patel. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Plastic surgeon, facial. Is that like by choice or is that like your license limits you? Um, it's not, ne so licenses don't limit you to one particular area. If you can go, you know, you see a lot of online content about like go to a board certified doctor. And the question is, what does that mean? Like, what, like who's not board certified? But there's people out there who are ER doctors, OB gynecologists who are doing liposuction. Your medical degree pretty much allows you to do whatever in the premises of your own office. The hospitals will probably be like, yeah, you can't do this here. But for most of what we do, we're doing in our own office, so you can do whatever you want. Um, my background and training was uh, initially I spent five years learning the detailed anatomy of the head and neck. Um, and so because of that, I started as an ear, nose, and throat doctor. My advanced fellowship was in facial plastic surgery, and so that's why I practice only on the face. Have you ever done any other plastic surgery, like liposuction? Or? Um, I've done um, fat grafting. So what, while we're in training, we also do surgeries, you know, big complex surgeries where you take a piece of someone's leg and rebuild a jawbone, for example. Okay. So we're still operating, you know, beyond the limits of the neck. Um, we still have to learn the anatomy of areas like that. So the most I've done below the neck is uh, sometimes I need fat to graft onto the face and I've gone, gone to the belly and gotten fat from there, but that's not really liposuction. That's taking some fat out, just small quantities of it. What's the most difficult or like risky operation that you kind of stress out about? Uh, <laughs> so I, luckily I've gotten to the point where I don't stress out about it. I know when you talk about high-end athletes, they, they talk about getting nervous. Um, I don't stress out about things, but there are certain things that require more planning and more communication. For me, I'd say that the, a rhinoplasty or nose job requires the most planning on my behalf. Um, mm. And the crazy thing is it probably was one where it matters the least because every time you write all these plans out, you get under there and everything is completely different. Um, but when it comes down to it, I definitely spend a lot of time planning each of those surgeries and preparing. You get under there and it's completely different. You mean like people's like inner nose workings are different? Yeah, the cart like so what we're basically doing is manipulating cartilage. We can't really change the skin much for the most part. Yeah. So we're mainly manipulating cartilage and bone in this area. and. Every time it's like what you're doing is the cartilage wants to bend one way, it's wide in one part, and you're narrowing parts, widening parts, and reshaping parts using stitches and cartilage from elsewhere, and it's always different than what you expect. Man, so do you pretty much demolish the whole cartilage and then put in like plastic? No, so we, um, depends on what you're trying to do. Some people you're trying to make noses smaller, yeah. different ethnicities you're trying to make noses bigger, um, and when it comes down to it, we're taking what's there and tr using that as a foundation and then reshaping that area or rebuilding it. Sometimes we do need cartilage. We don't use, pl I don't use plastic. I, what I do is I use cartilage either from your ear, from your septum, which is already in your nose. Sometimes we'll use donated cartilage from someone who's died and we'll use their rib cartilage. Hmm. Um, sometimes we can use someone's own rib. Rhinoplasty is the most common surgery. You, you get? Um, it's one of the most common. I'd say the most common that I do is something called buckle fat removal. Right. Yeah. The cheeks. Cheek fat, yeah. Um, yeah, that seems like the most like non-noticeable, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even be able to tell. We use the yeah. word subtle. Subtle, yeah. <laughs> non-noticeable if people are like, well, I mean, what do I want to do? It? natural looking, yeah. Like I saw one of that one girl, a couple on your Insta. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of celebrities that it's like, they kind of overdid it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is it possible to, 
is it permanent like or are they just they're stuck like that is it, it pretty much at that point it's impossible for them to just go back to how they were before yeah it's difficult um i think a good example of that is a tattoo so you everyone knows you can get a tattoo removal it's like permanent but you can get it removed mm. the more ta- the more layers you put on when you do a cover up it's actually you're like yay the cat tattoo's not going to be there but what you're doing is making it harder to get rid of that tattoo so if you just had your lips filled and you didn't like it that's a fairly easy process to reverse but once you've had surgeries lips filled fat grafted it's very hard to go back to how the way you originally were. It's like the, basically the deeper you get into it, the, the harder it is to get out. Oh, um, it's, it's like, I, I guess you could say it's like quicksand. Have you ever botched any? <laughs> I, I've been lucky thus far. We have all, all five-star reviews. Um, I'm more conservative. I think when, when you start off, I've been doing less revisions. Um, so when people do want a second surgery, those are generally more difficult. I've been doing less of those um, by choice hmm. um, and also by you know people who need their third nose job usually go to the oldest guy yeah. and that's probably a wise decision. Hmm. Um, and you know that's helped me quite a bit. Um, and just by my mental state and how I've been raised and probably the way I am, I'm a little bit more conservative and that kind of helps me avoid those situations. Yeah, well a lot of people, they get addicted, right? Obsessive about it. And like a little, like just, or whatever, every little thing. And like, so you kind of have to use your own judgment and be like, hey, look, like you got to stop and of course, tell yeah. people that. Yeah. And what's scary is that some people will, you know, they come in and they want the surgery and you're like, this, this isn't going to look good. But my philosophy but is you do, money. You, you do you, <laughs> yeah. right? So they, sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, that person does, I, I would not want to look like that. And that person is thrilled. They're super happy huh. and they feel that way because there's two types of addiction to it. One is body dysmorphia, which is the concept where people are seeing themselves in the mirror and they're not happy no matter what you do. And in our training, that's the most important thing to identify because there's no surgery that's going to help that person. Um, you're actually going to make their situation worse. Um, and then the second is an addiction where you do something as simple as lip filler and so you've seen girls walking around LA where, you know, we both live in the same area, mm-hmm. um, huge lips and you're like, who the hell told them that looks good? Mm-hmm. And this is from a guy's perspective. And in the end, it doesn't matter what we think, what matters is what that person thinks. Yeah. But what happens is they get a little bit and they get this attention. They get people, they get compliments when you get the first round. And if you're like, if I get compliments on this, if I get more, will I get more compliments? And eventually you get to the point where you convince yourself that it looks good, even though if the rest of society doesn't. But in the end, that's all that matters is that you get the confidence, you get the happiness, and you feel good about it. It's kind of like the rabbit hole of social media. Like, 100%, yeah. <laughs> you're just posting content, and, you're like, and you get all these likes, and you're like, oh, and exactly. you just post more of the same thing, whether or not you really want it or not. It, it's so similar, and I think that's yeah. why there's a lot of criticism of both, um, is that it's this self uh, awareness that people lose because you're going for the likes and that's why they talk about Instagram removing likes and that's why a big topic for us was filters in plastic surgery. Instagram removed all plastic surgery related filters. Hmm. Um, which is crazy, right? Because isn't a tattoo of, of something plastic? Like it's yeah. changing your outside appearance, a lip gloss or eyelash extension changing your outside appearance yet it says Dr. Patel on it, banned. Um, and it's mm. like, how about you do it in a professional way and make something realistic and reasonable, but Instagram doesn't understand that. <laughs> hmm. has, so do you, you have malpractice, obviously. Uh-huh. And has anyone sued you or anything? No. Asked for a refund? No. <laughs> 
But like, do you have friends in the industry in the same in that are plastic surgeons that have been people have been pissed off? Oh yeah, absolutely. If if you're the only way to to avoid that is by not operating and not working. Um, yeah. We have this we have a saying in our industry that's like, if the the only way to avoid complications is by not operating, because no matter what, we're doing our best, we're trying our hardest. Some pa we're dealing with living tissue. This isn't we're not whittling soap. We're dealing with living tissue. Not everyone's going to be happy with every outcome. Um, I've, like I said, I've been lucky thus far, and I would literally attribute to that as luck. Um, <laughs> I, I think part of it is my training, my expertise, how good I am at what I do, but part of it is obviously also luck. You almost plan on someone suing you at some point, maybe? You know what? I, so my mentor, um, he is, uh, I did my fellowship with him. His name is Russ Crydell. He's the president of the American Medical Association which is the largest doctors group of the entire country. Wow. So he's in DC all the time. Hmm. Um, when I was with him, he was on the board of trustees, but now he's the president. And he is in his, I think he, I don't want to say his age, but he's a little bit older. Mm -hmm. um, and he has never been sued in his career. And he gave me a lot of advice on how to avoid that. Um, in fact, when I started the very first day, he gives me a book. Um, it's from, I think it was written in 1929 by a husband and wife. The husband is a plastic surgeon. The wife was a psych psychiatrist. Hmm. And it's all about the psychiatry of plastic surgery. And he says, read this book until you finish reading it. We really can't continue working together. And I was like, okay. Like, I was looking forward to a day of work today. Hmm. And you read the book and you really understand that communication is a big aspect of it. Understanding your patients, understanding their psyche is a big part of it. And everyone's not going to get perfect results, but being able to walk patients through that is very, very important. 1929. That means it'll be in the public domain pretty soon. <laughs> Man, you can't find you can't find a copy of it. <laughs> He's got two. That's it. Hmm. All right. Um, what's the most expensive type of? Well, yeah, most expensive operation. You know, for it, it, so of course that varies. There's doctors out there who charge. There's one in Beverly Hills who charges two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a facelift. Um, it's like a you know luxury facelift. He's mm -hmm. competing against getting a. Uh, he's not competing against other plastic surgeons. He's competing against whether you're going to buy a house or <laughs> a mm -hmm. new a new Rolls Royce. Mm -hmm. um, then there's surgeries where people have perfected an individual surgery. One of my good colleagues that I work with, uh, Sajal Patel, does a Brazilian butt lift, and he's charging over twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars for that. Now, when it comes down to it, I would say from a patient's perspective, what's more expect expensive than you expect? And I'd say that, for, in my opinion, the number one thing I can think of is actually a hair transplant. Yeah. So you're that looked tedious when I saw it that. It is tedious, yeah. but in the end of the day, the doctors aren't doing the 100% of the tedious work. And so some of the pricing is definitely kind of skewed in the industry. And okay, you, know, you don't want to be the disruptor, but you can get basically the same surgery in Turkey for one-fifth of the cost. Oh, um, I wouldn't trust that, yeah. Of course. But like the, I think it's overinflated for what the price is for what you're getting. When you do that, a hair, hair transplant, mm -hmm. that's like every little hair, yeah. literally. Yeah. How many are there? So are the, human, <laughs> the human head has about over 20,000 hairs for a full head of hair. Um, wow. but what we're doing is taking the hair from the back, anywhere from you know, 500 to 3,000, um, and then moving them one by one to the front. And remember, those aren't actual hairs. Those are follicles. So some of those follicles can have four hairs in it. So you're moving over, you know, good five, 6,000 hairs. Wow. But you're doing it 3,000 times in order to get How that. long does that operation Whole take? Whole day. 
whole day. We start at six if we're doing the max, and we don't finish till seven, eight o'clock. Oh, that's unreal. What are girls most insecure about, and what are guys most insecure about? Oh man, that that leads me to a great story. Um, hmm. The difference in psyche between men and women. We've all seen that meme where it's like a guy who's really fat looking in the mirror, and the reflection is like him ripped, and it's a girl who's gorgeous, and the reflection is her not looking good. And there's no greater truth than that on average. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was you. You know, you're doing your hair, and you're, it's not perfect, but you'll walk out no matter what you if you're on camera or not. And for women, that that same um, same requirement is different. And when it comes down to it, I got to as a male, and that's something why I think we should have a lot more um, cosmetic surgeons as females. But as a male, I didn't understand that when I started. Yeah. And I used to have to sit when I was in training in front of a computer, going through pictures of our patients. And just seeing from, you know, I, I, before this, I didn't even have a girlfriend. And my family's just all guys except for my mom. Hmm. So I really didn't understand the female <laughs> psyche. But being able to sit with them, going through their pictures, what bothers them, um, what their goals are, and realizing how particular and specific and how much detail women think on their own appearance compared to men um, really was a striking and Le- a striking lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as men, we have to be careful around it. And the one piece of advice I have for pe- for men in particular is compliment people more. Mm-hmm. Simple things like saying, oh, that's a nice outfit, like to someone random being like, oh, you, um, you, you look great today and walking away without being creepy, of course. You have beautiful hair. Mm-hmm. Um, is <laughs> something that would make everyone a lot happier. Well, so maybe like, like for guys though, is it probably like, or, I mean, ears or nose, I don't know. Most uh, you know, common aberrations for them? So, for guys, there's one thing and one thing only where guys are going to be insecure. I always tell girls, like, if you want to piss a dude off, don't tell him he's got a small, you know what. Yeah. Tell him he's balding. Got Every guy has got looked in the mirror and been like, am I balding? Oh, yeah. Um, no matter how, if they're balding or not, you're always freaked out about it. Um, and so, for me, I'd say that's the one thing where guys match up with women in terms of our own security with mm. everything else we can be all over the place and not give a damn mm. but the one thing i've seen is actually hair loss what are those jobs range what's the i mean rhinoplasty is usually cost so you know in beverly hills everything's a little bit more expensive yeah. um i would say they're anywhere from five thousand dollars up to twenty five thousand dollars is the range okay you're always going to pay more if you if you've already had one you need a revision when you see people at like a cocktail party, do you kind of nitpick and like, <laughs> do you kind of notice like, oh, they could use a, I don't know, what's this one called when you? Otoplasty. Yeah, what's, or I don't know, do you ever kind of like, oh, um, like they could do that or that? Well, <laughs> one, one of the things that Dr. Crydell taught me is he's, you know, so when you start off in training, you're thinking to yourself, if I analyze the crap out of everyone, I'll get better at my job. Like, that's what I'm going to have to do. And you tell yourself that, and he was like, yeah, you'll be kind of a little bit better at your job, but you're also going to be a terrible human and a piece of shit to deal with. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, you have to learn how to turn it off. And I was like, that's going to be hard. <laughs> and it really wasn't that hard. Like, you, yeah. you have to just turn it off when you leave the office. And even when I'm in the office, I don't look at people and stare at them up and down. The first thing I do is hand them a mirror and I ask them to point out one or two things that they love about their face and one or two things that they want to change. So this isn't someone who's going to be like, I want to change this, 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 and this, and I'm ugly all over. 
If you do tell me that, then you're probably a bad candidate for surgery. So that's one of my screeners, but that's also how I start every conversation. And you kind of have to balance out like your own opinion or whatever. Um, you like, you have to. So I, I and that's that's for me the difficult part because yeah. it's the my philosophy is you do you. But sometimes I'm like, okay, either a that's not possible, which is easy. That then I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, B, it's really hard when people want something that I don't think is aesthetically pleasing. But I'm not the expert on beauty. I'm the expert on achieving what your ideal vision yeah. of beauty is. Um, so I had someone who wanted a square chin, for example, and I was like, "That's kind of weird." And he was like, I was, "He was like, which size should I get?" And I was like, "I, I don't know. I mean, which which one do you think looks better? I don't. I don't know. I don't think either of them looks great. But in the end of the day." Um, the, you know, for that person, they were happy with the results because they wanted a square chin and we were able to accomplish that. Hmm. Um, I don't, for something like that, I'm not like, let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, how about you think about this for a month or two and then we can consider doing it. But at the same time, it's something that's, you know, difficult to manage for sure. So you have gone through with operations that you didn't agree with? Correct, yeah. Okay. Uh, what are some of the biggest post-op problems patients run into? Yeah, so um, the number one, and I think every plastic surgeon would agree, is going to be patience. Um, everyone oh, wants yeah. their results faster than they actually get there, and a lot of what we do is hand-holding to get the patients there. Um, that's why they're called patients, get it? Um, yeah. And I think that's the number one thing. When people wait long enough for the swelling to go down and for the results to show, um, they are almost always happy. It's a the process of getting them there. How, how long does it usually take, a month? Depends, completely depends on surgery, you know. Hmm. Some, some procedures, for example, you do lip filler and the patients are happier while they're swollen. They're like, my lips look huge and amazing. And you're like, uh, they're gonna get smaller. They're like, yeah. really? And they're like, yeah, they're swollen. Uh-huh. And other surgeries like a nose, it takes over a month to get there. What's a common misconception about plastic surgery? Um, so I'd say that one common misconception is this whole concept of there's something wrong with people who are getting it. Um, the, I've participated in a debate on natural beauty versus cosmetic surgery, and the answer was there's no versus. It's if you want plastic surgery, get it. Um, people are like, oh, you have to be naturally beautiful, and I think that's completely false. If someone feels internally that what they're showing externally isn't what's there, then and we have the ability to change it in a safe way, that person should be entitled to do what they want to their bodies the same way they're entitled to get a tattoo, a piercing. Um, if they don't like the way their nose looks and they feel that it would do something for them internally and externally that would make a difference, by all means, go ahead and do it. You heard of these uh, these things in Japan, the fat faces or whatever? No. They're like, no, they're like kind of like saline. They inject a bunch of saline or something and then it's like a bagel bagel faces i think that's what it's called never heard of that. you never heard of that no. <laughs> and then they have like this huge bagel yeah. and it, it's like something that they're doing it's yeah because it's like a cool trend or something yeah is it I, reversible probably i think well yeah i think the bagel of saline or whatever just dissolves eventually oh, okay. over like a day or something you've never seen that no <laughs> It might have been just like a thing. Have you ever, when you were younger, did you ever dye your hair a weird color? Um, yeah, I dyed it brown in college for a sec, but yeah. So it's similar, right? Like you knew it was going to go away, but you, you're like, this will be cool and shocking. I, I think when I was 12, I dyed my hair green once. Hmm. Have, you, have you done any operations on yourself? I've injected my own Botox. Let's see if I go like this. 
Oh. There's no wrinkles up here. But oh. I can still move my eyebrows, so I'm not frozen. But So Botox, is that is that permanent? No, it only lasts for like three months, so you have to keep doing it. It's been a while since it takes away. Do I have any imperfections? <laughs> not not that I can see. <laughs> Thank you. Um wrinkles, like uh yeah, like like maybe like these sleep marks that I have, that's what Botox would take away? Um, so basically what it's doing is it's paralyzing the muscles. So wrinkles that when you're moving that you get because your skin kind of gets uh, compressed, mm. it's going to make your muscles not move. So even when you want to move, it just stays the way it is, nice and smooth. Hmm. Um, I'd really like to know the craziest reason someone has given him as to why they want wanted plastic surgery. I guess, yeah, most absurd operations people have requested. Yeah, the, no, that, I've, being in Beverly Hills, we get a lot of good good ones on that and I'd say that I don't know if it's absurd but it's very common is that people will say I can't get a girlfriend I can't get a job and I can't do this because of the way I look and you're kind of like okay I don't think that's exactly why <laughs> um, and that's one of the one of the main reasons that people hmm. uh, give when which is a red flag when they're saying their whole life is dependent and held back because of this yeah. issue they don't have touch with reality, and that's one of the red flags that we use to say, hey, this is not, I don't think this, you're a good candidate. And you'll refuse them. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of it's, you know, almost like they're, it's almost like a job interview, like you're qualifying them. If yeah. they're like psychologically stable. And now I feel like I'm giving away some of my secrets. But yeah, we're, <laughs> a lot of the questions we're asking people are yeah. simply questions to get to know them and evaluate whether they're candidates. And so when I go in the room, I'm never, and that's what I love about my job. I don't have to, you know, when you go to a regular doctor's office and then they ask you, hey, how's your day going? Yeah. And you're like, like shit, I'm in a doctor's office. Yeah, yeah. But for me, if I ask them how their day is going and they tell me it's terrible, and it's like usually a bad sign that, they're not, that they have something going on. Hmm. Um, but I have, remember I had a patient who came in and I was like, hey, how's everything going? Tell me about where you're from. And you know, she was from an uh, international country where my family's from. Hmm. And she was like, why are these questions important? Like, I don't understand. And I was like, kind of thrown back that she couldn't hold a conversation in general to get to know someone she was just their straight business and now someone that we essentially refused to do surgery on because i knew that there was something not quite right hmm. what suture does he generally use for skin and why well that's questions probably coming from a medical student yeah um, i don't even know what suture is yeah sti so stitching material and there's tons and tons of different types um, from stuff that will dissolve on its own and stuff that stays permanently um, I think the number one question you get is how many stitches did you put in? And it really doesn't matter. The whole purpose of stitches is to put things together with as little tension as possible. So actually the more stitches you put in, the better in terms of um, how much tension is on it because you're distributing amongst each stitch. Mm. And people are like, why don't you put dissolvable stitches? The reason is, is they incite more of an inflammatory response, which you're going to get more swelling from. So that's why we like putting in ones that we have to cut out. Okay. Um, so for the skin, I'm pretty much using something called proline. There you go. There's the answer to that. Um, and for deeper structures, if it's in the mouth, we're using something that's made out of cat gut, like legit cat gut. Wow. Um, and if it's in the body, we're using, usually using something made out of Vicryl, which is a synthetic material. How many different types of suture? Hundreds are different types. And we have different, different types, how long they last, whether they're absorbable, non-absorbable, what kind of needle it is, what the purpose of the needle is, the size of the needle. So we're talking about things that you can barely see with your with your eyes like you can't see it without a microscope I've used before um, I guess what's the ratio of turning down people 
It's right. a good question, and I think that will vary on the, by practice. Um, so for my practice, I'm seeing a lot of younger patients who are looking for surgeries to enhance beauty as opposed to, hey, I need to look like I'm you know, 20 years younger. Mm. Um, because my patients are younger, I think they're generally more realistic in their expectations. Um, and for the most part, uh, I'd probably say that like 95% of people were operating on, 90 to 95. Okay. Most surgeries has done. Most surgeries you've performed on one person? It's uh, a great question. <laughs> um, probably in one setting, probably five or six surgeries on one person. We did cheek fat removal, you know, liposuction, uh, lip lift, chin implant, um, and fat grafting all at once. Um, so something like that. That was um, all in one day. All in one day, but that was, you know, and that was all under local anesthesia, so you don't even need to go to sleep for that. It's like 100 you know, grand. No, no, that was, <laughs> I don't think it's that, that's even that much. It's all, um, all smaller surgeries, right? But on one person, we, we have a couple of patients that keep coming back and they want more and more stuff that they've always wanted. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've done things on them three or four times. Most uncommon surgery you've done? So we had a patient who had a chin implant. She really liked it. Mm. And she got in a car accident and broke her jaw. They took the chin implant out, but they put a whole bunch of plates and screws in. Um, so that would be an example of something uncommon, but like in the realm of cosmetic surgery. She's like, but I really like the implant. And I was like, uh... <laughs> So okay. she kept so, them. So, so, she want, so she wanted a new implant, but you have all these plates and screws in the way that you have to remove oh. um, in order to put the implant in. Um, and so that's something that you're not going to see every day. But, you know. <laughs> Wait, so did, did you take the screws out? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And then you just, and then she went back to normal or whatever. Yeah, and then she, because she liked, she loved the way she looked with an implant. Hmm. Now she'd recovered from this big uh, accident and she wanted... Exclusively cosmetic, or do you fix scars, lacerations? Yeah, I, I definitely do that. Um, so we do. I do take insurance um, for certain things, hmm. um, and insurance surprisingly does cover quite a bit of cosmetic surgery hmm. um, on a certain way. And I can get into that in a second. But yeah, we do scar revisions. Um, I actually still do some work as an ear, nose, and throat doctor. So we'll help people who can't breathe through their nose, um, and that's covered under insurance. But that's not necessarily cosmetic. I know, um, yeah, I know some people that have that problem. Yeah, send them over. Yeah, it's something that's cr crazy because they just go through life not being able to breathe through their nose, and then you fix it. And that first day, they're like, "Damn it, why did I do this sooner?" It's like the first thing they say. How's the? And that takes like a couple hours, probably. Uh, depends on what the problem is, but yeah, an hour <laughs> usually is about how long it takes. What's that problem called? A deviated septum, usually. Oh, all right. Um, all right. Yeah, I think I cut you off. Sorry, were you going to say anything? Yeah, else? so for insurance for cosmetic surgery, <laughs> yeah. um, there's a couple of different things from not being able to breathe through your nose to um, people whose br uh, eyebrows drop and then they don't have peripheral vision because mm. um, they have like sagging eyelids and sagging brows. You can actually lift the brows and remove the skin up here under insurance. Um, and then one thing that's actually you know probably pretty controversial is that a lot of larger companies... Um, will cover the costs of what we call um, gender-confirming facial surgery or any transgendered surgery. Hmm. Now, the controversy in that arises in that the same services aren't covered to people. So if you were born flat-chested and you were a female and had no breasts and you were like, I want breasts, that's obviously not covered. Hmm. Um, but going the other way, there's full coverage of it and then some. In some, some companies, it's better coverage than... Um, what someone who would be paying would would get for it. 
Um, but I think that that's important. It helps a large part of our society. So I help um, our transgender community out a lot with that and help them use their insurance to cover it. But I can certainly see why people are like, hey, this that's not fair. <laughs> a lot of guys, uh, they want, you know, I guess a straw jaunt, a uh-huh. jawline. Yeah. You do that surgery? Yeah. So you can... So there's different ways to do it. I think a chin implant is one of the most basic ways, but you have to do a full analysis. Mm. You can also put in custom implants here, and that'll give you either a wider jaw, a lower jaw, or both. Wow. Hmm. Have you heard of mewing? Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's from on pretty popular on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, that's if I, if I believe if I'm correct, it's doing exercises to build the jawline is that right yeah i guess like over years if you you know generally keep your tongue on the roof of your mouth it will help give yeah. you a better jawline yeah i think there's definitely some um oh the thing the key question is over years is one of those things that yeah. it's hard to persistently do that um and you know if it's that important to you it's probably easier to get the cosmetic surgery facial reconstructive surgery mm-hmm. you're trying to if you're like a mobster you want to hide your, you want to totally change your face. No, I mean I've had people with just. Seen, I think it's die another day. You've seen that, and and then also in, uh, I've seen that, and then in uh, Nip Tuck, that old TV show. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I'm surprised hasn't been picked up by Netflix or anything because it's a pretty hmm. good show. Yeah. Um, they had a mobster who they changed their face. Hmm. Now, absolutely. So, um, face transplants are a real thing now that people aren't getting for no no mobsters have done it to my knowledge, but people who've had. Accidents where they've lost the majority of the structure of their face have rebuilt it using that mm. and Without a doubt in the future We're gonna see more and more progress in that arena where skeletal contouring 3d printing is all gonna be able to be Accessible. Well, yeah, you can like totally a whole new identity. Yeah, I've, no, I've had a lot of patients be like hey Dr. Patel, I look really good now. Do I need a letter from you that says that I'm still the same person? <laughs> Um, and I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to believe you, but that is a good question. Yeah. Um, and that, that's something that I think is something that in the future is going to be an issue for sure. Man. Um, and also face off. You, you seen that? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Uh, not, not, not on that level. No. <laughs> like we're heading that way though. And just set it down. No, that's so when funny. we do do face transplants, it's like a 24 hour plus surgery. Yeah. So the same way I was telling you, we're able to take parts of your leg, arms, your scapula, and use chunks of that to rebuild it. What you're basically doing is taking that with its own blood supply and then restitching it to a blood supply in the neck. Um, and just one of those takes all day. A face transplant is like three teams doing that over 24 hours, doing five or six of them at once. Cool. Check out Dr. Patel's information in the description. You got an Instagram? Yeah, we have Instagram, uh, a failing TikTok, um, and yeah, we have I, a website. I got one. I made one TikTok. I haven't got into that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the future, though. It's crazy because when we were growing up, yeah, apparently they people they would teach us how to type and be like, "Wow, these kids are gonna know how to type." And then the next generation's like, "Yeah, we're not teaching them cursive. We're gonna teach them how to use PowerPoint and everything." And now this next generation is gonna be like baseline 10 year old can video edit better than you and I combined. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so that's going to just be a skill people have. It's insane. Have. Yeah. You got to, you well, but also I don't know. It feels kind of fatty still or fatty fad, like a fad. Yeah. Like I, it's going to pass soon or something. And a lot of it, but I, it's going to, I think it's just going to keep growing and it, that's the, it's addictive and just the nature of how they've designed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments, and I will see you next week. <laughs>